It's a new year and a new edition of Exceeding Expectations. Episode 15. Happy New Year. This episode, I speak with Alan Berg, who is an international speaker um, on marketing and it's mostly specialising in the wedding industry. He speaks in many different countries. Uh, just this year alone, he's speaking in more than, spoken in more than 10 countries. He also speaks in Spanish as well as English. Um, he does uh, website reviews. In this episode, we talk about doing personalised gifts for some of your clients, audio books, um, how a, an employee in McDonald knocked him out with her attitude and the way she did things, scones in London, about books, donuts, and much, much more. So, episode 15 with Alan Berg. This week's edition of Exceeding Expectations, I am speaking to someone called Alan Berg. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing great, Tony. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. And, and Alan and I have met a, a couple of times, well, a few times before. Alan's a a speaker and he specializes in the wedding industry and he travels all over the world. And when I say all over the world, just before we came on air, he was telling me about his schedule over the last few months and I was getting tired just listening. I mean, how many, how many air miles did you say you'd racked up? By the time this year is up, I'll have 125,000 this year alone on United. And then I've flown uh, American, Delta, Southwest, <laughs> a little bit on, wow. on those. So I'll figure about 130,000. Um, and I've been to Colombia, South America, uh, Mexico, India, the UK, Ireland, Canada. That's this year. <laughs> wow. And and so what is it? So when you're going to all these different countries, what typically are you doing? Are you, so I, I know that you're speaking in about sort of to wedding professionals mm-hmm. and and you speak on various different subjects, like about websites and marketing. And is it, do you kind of limit it to, to that or is there many other things that you may speak about also? So I'm a speaker. I'm also a sales trainer and a business consultant. Uh, so the different things, when I was down in um, uh, Cartagena, Colombia, it was a conference for wedding professionals, probably more wedding planners than anything, but there were some other suppliers there. And I spoke about websites and I spoke about sales uh, in Spanish. <laughs> and then when I was in Mexico, I did not speak in Spanish, but I was at a five-star luxury, all-inclusive resort and had me come down for two days. And I only spent part of the time with their wedding team and I spent part of the time with their travel and tourism team and part of the time with their people that will sell to the uh, convention and visitors bureaus. So that was more of a business consulting part of it and sales training part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I did sit with their team for a little bit about their website as well, because uh, I have four books that I've written. And the first one is a website book called If Your Website Was an Employee, Would You Fire It? Um, which was not written for the wedding industry. And as you and I have spoken about before, I actually don't speak about weddings. I speak to people who do them. So mm-hmm. this hotel does weddings, but also does other things. So we were not just talking about weddings. We we're talking about a lot of different stuff. Went over to India and I was speaking to 300 wedding photographers, specifically a wedding photographer conference. So I was mm-hmm. talking to them about sales and marketing. And then I did a workshop. So I do small group masterminds and workshops. And we were diving deep into their business, what I call the four steps to more sales. And this doesn't matter what you do. This, this is for any business. The first step is getting people's attention. If you, they don't have your attention, if you don't have their attention, nothing else is going to happen. They just don't know you exist. The second mm. is getting some sort of an inquiry. Well, that inquiry could be a text. It could be a contact form. It could be an email. It could be a Facebook message. It could be a WhatsApp. It could be hallelujah, they pick up the phone and call you. you know? <laughs> it, could, it could be one of those, um, which 
Interestingly, I was consulting with a guy in Romania who's got a venue and a restaurant and a hotel, and 80% of his website traffic is mobile, but 80% of his enquiries come in through telephone. So mm. unlike in the UK where you're getting a lot of digital and in the US and a lot of most other places in the world I go, here's a guy mm. in a town of 50,000 people in Romania and most of his inquiries come in via telephone. In wow. the UK, I spoke at, spoke at the Bride Lux Symposium and I was talking about, they were talking about increasing your, um, uh, it was, incre- what was the wording that they put for it? You're trying to increase your client base. So I mm-hmm. talked about social media, but my take on social media is called, can your business survive without social media? <laughs> That's, yeah. And it's mo- because most people don't have a strategy. They don't understand how to do it. They're just doing stuff and getting no return on it. Um, mm-hmm. I was just in uh, Ireland and I, I did a day for a masterclass for wedding venues. And we dove deep into those four steps. So talking about how to respond to inquiries, talking about how to uh, improve the conversion on their websites <coughs> and talking about how to close more sales. So my topics don't change much when I travel around the world. Um, I do adapt, of course, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting how the the social references or the cultural references, I should say, they're so special they're so prevalent all over the world. Uh, when I was in uh, India, they were having a party. We were at a, at a hard rock, <laughs> the hard rock restaurant in Bangalore, yeah. India, you know, and, and journey don't stop believing comes on and everybody is singing at the top of their lungs. And here I am, I could be at the hard rock in <laughs> Vegas, right? It, it just yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, and the same thing could happen in, in Colombia in English. And they could be singing that even though most of the people there don't, don't speak English. Well, but if Journey mm. Don't Stop Believing comes on, that room is going to be just packed with people singing Don't Stop Believing. So mm. I, I wrote an article on my blog about that, how we have so much more in common than we have mm. differences. And Abs- and that's the same thing with business, right? Uh, there's so much more in common with what we talk about in business than if it's say, oh, it's the wedding industry. Everybody likes to say, oh, it's, it's different for me. No, no, it really mm. isn't. <laughs> it's really not that different. It's nuanced. But it's really not mm. that different. If you're at the high end of the of the price scale, you still have to fill your calendar. If you're at the middle, you have to fill your calendar. If you're at the low point, you fill your calendar. And I don't care what you're selling. That's what you have to do. Uh, I was talking to a speaker yesterday, and he said his family had a business that did um, slate tile roofing and like high-end stuff. And during the recession here, his business had a 12-month a, a waiting list to do work when his competitors, who were at, at half the price of him, were starving for work and they're like how are you so busy and he was marketing Mm -hmm. and he was doing stuff and people were saying i'll wait i'll wait 12 months to get you to come and do that work for me crazy Mm. And, and the thing is there's no doubt that what it is that he's doing there's so many other businesses could probably learn from some of the things that he's doing but but oh. other businesses probably wouldn't look at it because they think oh well he's doing slates it's nothing to do with what i do right and, and so i was on a, a podcast yesterday and we were talking about that exact thing is look outside of your industry take your blinders off and start paying attention every day to the things that people are doing marketing to you whether it's a billboard or whether it's uh, you know on the TV or radio or walking down the street or um, like when I was in the UK the, uh, recently for Bride Lux, I, I, my flight was an overnight flight, typical from the US. So 10 p.m. gets in 10 a.m. And I get in, of course, my hotel room's not ready. <laughs> so I'm tired, but mm-hmm. I'm walking around Piccadilly Circus and I pass this donut shop. 
And it was this tiny hole in the wall donut shop. And I'm looking in the window and I have these ridiculously decadent donuts, which I was not going to have one because it's probably a week's worth of calories <laughs> in one of these. <laughs> but their marketing was great. I mean, the names of them, uh, the funniest was they had a this this donut with all kinds of stuff on it. It was called the Liam Helmsworthy Donut. Helmsworth mm-hmm. donut. And then above it was one that was four times the size and it was the Chris Helmsworth donut. <laughs> right. So, it, but I love their marketing, but it, what it did is it got me hungry. And I said, you know what? I'm in London. I need a scone. I, I just have this thing. I love a proper scone in the U S what they call a scone is not a scone. It, it's this triangle sugared thing and I'll eat them, but I liked a real scone. So I go onto my phone, I go into TripAdvisor and I type in scones near me or something like that. Uh, And it sends me to this place and I walk and there's baked goods in the window. I don't see any scones, but I walk up to the young man at the front and I said, you know, I'd love to have a scone. Do you have, do you, do you have proper scones? And he said, you know, we get asked at least five times a day, but we don't sell scones. But if you look down the street, you'll see some blue awnings. And if you go to that hotel, that restaurant has, has wonderful scones. hmm. And my first thought was really, you get asked five times a day and you don't sell scones. Right. And then I, but you start thinking, I remember when people asked me about whether my books came on audio and I'm Mm. thinking, why would you want it on audio? Right. Here's the book. Just buy the book right here at the table or Kindle. You can get it on Kindle. I didn't understand because I didn't listen to audio books. So I, Mm. I didn't understand the draw. And when the 20th person or 12th or 20th, whatever it was, asked me if it was available on audio, I was like, hey, stupid. <laughs> Your yeah. audience is telling you that they want to throw money at you here. They want it mm. in a different format. Just like when I went from DVD to CD, from CD to flash drive, right? So I recorded the first audio book. And of course, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I did it wrong. And then I, I fixed it. And then the second one went smoother and the third one went even smoother. And the last one was just seamless because I knew exactly how to do it. You know, Mm. you don't know what you don't know until you know it. (laughs) And now I started listening to audiobooks and I totally get it. I read, and I'm doing air quotes, I read so much more than I ever Mm. did before because I do it. I'm in the car driving to my dry cleaner. I'm listening to an audio book. I'm walking through the airport. I'm listening to an audio book. And so I totally get it, but I listen to my audience. And this is exactly this kid. I'm thinking, so I pulled out my calculator and I said, all right, five times a day, 365 days a year, let's call it three pounds for a scone, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever. And it was, it's thousands of pounds in scone sales that we yeah. know of. And that's only because of the people that ask, the five a day that ask, how many people came in looking for one and couldn't find it. So mm-hmm. what is your... It, it, what else can we learn just by keeping our eyes open and saying, huh, what, what, what other promos are there? What other uh, things? Cause I'm always doing promotions or emails or stuff. So I love a good email promotion. Most people hate spam. I love a good email promotion. Cause I'm looking for, Hey, was that a good subject line? Um, mm. how did they format that? What was, what was good about that? What was annoying about that? And just learn from all around you instead of just trying to copy a competitor. Cause just trying to copy a competitor is is a fool's game because you can't be them. You can copy their marketing, but you can't be them. That guy was mm-hmm. successful slating at twice the price or three times the price of other people, not just because of his slate work. It was also mm-hmm. the way he positioned himself, branded himself, and you know he owned that price. He didn't apologize mm-hmm. for it. That was the price. And, and what would you say? What was it that he was doing that was different? So you know about his branding and his positioning and so on. 
you know, I don't know enough about it because we, we didn't, we, it was like a side talk <laughs> that, that we were having. Um, but yeah. I can, let me give you an example with myself. So when I first started as an independent speaker consultant, when I left, I was with the not.com. So if anybody doesn't know, it's in the States. It's, it was the largest wedding website in the world, still one of the largest, if not the largest. I was there 11 years. I was vice president of sales. So when I left, I didn't know what to charge because I had been free. <laughs> I, I would go out and speak as vice president. I didn't ask to get paid. We paid our own travel. We, we took a booth at their trade show and I spoke. And mm. so people wanted me to come and speak, but now I needed to get paid because I didn't have my sugar daddy. You know, I didn't have anybody paying me a salary and, and all my expenses. So I looked at what other people charged and I said, well, I want to charge more. Uh, I believe I'm doing this at a very high level. Um, so I'll charge more. So I, I, I think I was like... 15, uh, 50% or 100% more than what I thought or f- could find out what other people were charging. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And I was really busy, but I wasn't making enough money. And I realized I was pricing my service based upon someone else's price. You yeah. can't do that. You have mm-hmm. to price based upon you, your availability, your needs. First rule of economics, anybody who's ever taken economics 101 is supply and demand, right? I have a limited supply. Tony, you have a limited supply. Everybody listening has a limited supply. So whether it's time, products, services, right? We have a limited supply. So I said, all right, I need to raise my price. So I raised my price. And I, and I was busy again. And then my uncle, who's uh, he's 89 now, who it's funny. I have one uncle in the world, never tried to follow him. And he's a speaker and an author (laughs) and never tried to do anything like him. And he's a speaker and author, exactly what I ended up never, never saying, I want to be a speaker or an author. And I became both of them. And he told me it was the uh, end of my, I think it was the end of my first full year self-employed again this time, because I had been self-employed in the past. And he said, you know, you're pushing too hard. He said, pull back on your availability and let it come to you. And that's, mm. you know, people that are believe in the you know, universal energy that we share in or the, the, the law of reciprocity, laws of reciprocity, or, you know, you give good, you get good, you give bad, you get, get bad, um, mm. the secret and all that kind of stuff. If you believe that kind of stuff, then uh, you, you'll understand, right? And I understood. I said, okay, I'm trying to make something out of nothing. I would go to you and say, hey, Tony, you know what? I don't have anything in London, but let's do something. Mm. And, and I was doing that, but it was, you know, it was pushing and I realized just let me, if you've laid the groundwork, if you've planted the seeds, right? If the farmer has planted the seeds and so, you know, watered them and all, whatever, let them grow. And I did. And I went up 40% the next year in business. I raised my rates and I went up 40% the next year in business. And I found myself doing that again about two years after that. And I pulled back again and I went up 25% the next year. Now that's 25% of a higher number, right? Mm. <laughs> and I found myself this year, a couple of times starting to push a little more, pulled back. And every time I pull back, you know, there might be a day or two where it's a little quiet. Then all of a sudden an email comes in, phone rings, you know, something's happening. And that's how my calendar has been full. I've been doing all that work, but it's not one thing. I'm doing social media. I'm doing email. I'm doing direct mail. I'm going to conferences. I'm networking. I'm not, I'm not sitting back. I'm just allowing the things that I'm doing to work. Something I was thinking about when, before we, before we started recording and you were talking about how you're so well known for niching, you know, so you obviously niche in the wedding industry Uh, and something that occurred to me, so obviously the the subject of this whole podcast is about over delivering and, you know, and, and giving great customer experiences. And it occurs to me that the, if the more you niche in 
uh, a topic and a subject, you know, an industry, wherever it might be, the more of an expert you can be in that subject. And therefore, it's probably easier to over-deliver in whatever it is that you're doing because you know so much about that one thing. You can give them much more than they ever expected. Right. And one of the stories I was we were talking about is when you and I did a mastermind with me in mm. the UK with 10 DJs. And it was, it was just ten of, 11 of us in a boardroom the whole day. And at the end of the day, we're walking out. And one of the other DJs said to me, so, Alan, how long have you been a DJ? Mm. And I said, uh, Barney, I've never been a DJ. And he looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, I don't know how else to say it. I've never been a DJ. He said, but you know my business better than I do. And I said, yeah, mm. I do. But I've never been a DJ and I can't be a DJ. Because being a DJ and having a DJ business are two different things. I can walk into Barney's office and sell his business today. I could sell a customer on having him DJ them, but mm. I couldn't be the DJ. Different, it's a different skill. So what niching allows me to do is I have so many stories and I have so much experience where I go from one business to another. And I'm not talking about sharing industry secrets, but when I was in Ireland and I go to this venue, Bally McGarvey, and I, I'm telling him, hey, you know, I have a client in the States who does this. What if you did that? right? Mm. So I'm not giving him his competitors secrets, but I'm able to do that. Um, so one of the things talk about over delivering, he was looking for other ways to make it special. I said, well, people love experiences. And these are things I've learned again in the industry. What kind of experiences can you create? Well, they're trying to get people to come from the States because they're booking with local couples already doing a couple hundred weddings a year. What can you do to get couples from the States to come over and make it special? I said, well, I was in New Orleans recently and I was talking to this one venue and, and she said, they're coming up with a bourbon tasting experience and they're going to have different bourbons and they're going to charge a premium for that. And I said, well, if you're going to do that, you want to have these special whiskey glasses, these Glencairn glasses to do that and make it into a special thing. Right? So she's like, oh, that's great. That makes it even better. Well, here I am in Ireland now and Irish whiskey being you know, the, the mother's milk. And I, I said, you know, you want to make something special. Why don't you do an Irish whiskey tasting and get some of these Glencairn glasses and do that. Right. So now I'm giving him that idea. But then what I did, because he had brought me in to do a day of training, mm -hmm. I went on Amazon and ordered him six of those glasses and I sent it to him. And I said, here, let me get you started on that Irish whiskey tasting. I said, mm -hmm. and if you don't end up doing it, just save him. When next time I come, we'll do a tasting ourselves. <laughs> But that was a way for me to help him over deliver, but I also wanted to over deliver as well. Yeah. And for what he paid me for the day and for what those glasses cost, there's no question it's worth it. But mm. it's it's that difference. It's that he didn't expect me to do anything. Mm. And that's when you, that's when people appreciate it. When they expect you to do something, it's not special. It's mm. we have we have three possible outcomes with every in every interaction. We can fall short of their expectation, meet it, or exceed it. And when you fall short, of course, that's unacceptable. When you meet it, I find it unacceptable because every day people meet your expectations and then they just fade away. You, mm -hmm. you don't remember that interaction, whether it's the coffee shop or whether it's lunch or whether it's the, the dry cleaner or the, the, the petrol station, right? You just don't remember. Mm -hmm. So you have to exceed. And uh, I'll give you a great story. I was in uh, Las Vegas earlier this year. And it was at a conference and you had to go from a hotel to the convention center and you could have taken the bus, but I had a car rented. So I'm walking out of the hotel and some other people are heading towards the bus. And I said, Hey, listen, if you want, I'm driving over. I have room in the car. And they were like, Oh, 
thanks. All right. So great. So we get in the car, there's four of us. And I said, I'm kind of thirsty. There's a McDonald's on the corner down the street from the convention center. Anybody else want something to drink? And they said, no. I said, do you mind if I go in? They said, no, go ahead. So I pull in. Now, what's your expectation at the drive-through window? Right? Not pretty high. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we pull up and a very friendly voice comes out and says, welcome McDonald's. Can I take your order? Now, that was nice, right? And I said, well, yeah, I'd like a large Diet Coke, a couple of pieces of lemon in it. She said, will that be all? I said, yeah. She goes, that's a dollar eight. Pull around, love. And mm-hmm. I look at the people in the car. I said, did she say pull around love? <laughs> and they said, we think so. But we didn't have a rewind button, right? You know, we were so used to rewind on the telly now, right? It's like, we don't have a rewind button. So we pull around to the window and there is this young lady with a big smile on her face. And she said, uh, Diet Coke? I said, yes. She goes, that's a dollar eight. How's your day going? I said, my day's going great. How's your day going? And she said, my day's going great. Thanks for asking. And I give her my money and she gives me my change. And she says, you have a great rest of your day. And I said, with that smile on your face, I definitely will. Thank you. And I pull up to the next window and they give me the receipt and they give me my drink. And I said, what was her name? And they said, Brianna. And I look at the bottom of the receipt. And what's always on the bottom of the receipt these days, Tony? Um, just a t- date and details, or and a telephone number to call with your. Oh, expert, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And who calls that number? Right. So you called to say how good she was. Well, who normally calls that number? Oh, normally about complaints. Right. Yeah. So we have like one block to go from the McDonald's to the convention center, but I had the Bluetooth already connected to my phone and we called that number in that one block. And the woman answers, you know, the McDonald's, whatever. And I said, I, uh, we just were at the McDonald's on paradise uh, road in Las Vegas. And we had an absolutely fantastic experience with a young lady named Brianna. She was smiling. She was happy. She was a credit to your organization. And you, I just thought that you should know just how good this experience was. Mm. And there was silence on the other end. <laughs> yeah, because so hardly anyone would do something like that. Right. So there's this this pause. And I'm sure it wasn't as long as I'm making it sound like, but there was this pause. <laughs> and she goes, uh, thank you for calling. Uh, as you can imagine, we don't get many calls like this. I said, well, if yeah. you had more people like Brianna working for you, you would. Mm. So here's the thing. It was a dollar eight. Okay. Right. So what is that? It's about, about 70 pence, right? The dollar eight. And I'm telling you, everybody listening, I've been telling this from the stage. It didn't take her any more time. It didn't take any more money. It didn't take anything but intention on her part to say that I, Brianna, I'm going to have a better day and I'm going to make other people's day better when I'm here at work. It mm. didn't cost anything. And that's a lesson to all of us that if she can do that for a dollar eight, what mm. can we do to our customers to look them in the eye, smile, and make their day better from the interaction that we just had than they would have been before? So here's the follow up. The next day, going to the convention center, getting in the car, got the same people because I told them, if you want to run a ride, meet me. <laughs> and I, I wasn't even thirsty. And I said, we're going to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to McDonald's and we pull up and a man's voice came across the speaker. It's like, oh, and he was nice. He was. I, I, would, I would say he was above average in terms of niceness, pulled around and he was nice and it was better than average, but it wasn't her. Yeah. And wh- what, what did she do, right? It, it didn't take any more time. All she did is she looked at us and she looked me in the eye and she said, she said, Diet Coke. I said, yeah. She goes, how's your day going? And smiled when she said that. And it changed the dynamic because I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah. 
And I will say this, I've had really great and really bad experiences at McDonald's drive throughs It makes it sound like I eat fast food all the time. I had a Diet Coke. Um, I was pulling, uh, I was coming out of Connecticut one time, coming back home to New Jersey, and I stayed overnight at this hotel. And in the morning, I'm driving, I want to get a cup of tea. So I pull into this McDonald's, and there were two ladies, and I would say they were they were every bit of in their 40s to 50s. And one was working the uh, the order taking window, and one was working the you know giving you the food window. And they were a great team. They were like your favorite aunt, your, your favorite aunt that just, you know, you just love her and she's just so gregarious and just so loving. And they were like your favorite. And if I lived in Connecticut in that town, I would go there just to experience that. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing again. Didn't take mm-hmm. any more time, didn't cost any more. And whatever the price point, you can do that. You, you can exceed someone's expectation, not by saving them any money, not by giving them any more product or service, just by giving them better attention. Mm. And, and it's funny you say that because one, I think the thing that almost every guest I've had on this podcast has had in common, that when they've often been talking about how they over deliver and you know giving customers great experience, almost, I would say 90% of the stories hasn't been about anything that's cost any money whatsoever it's been about attitude it's been about being happy to to make people happy you know to when they see they do something that makes their customer happy that just gives them a great feeling it's just about the attitude they have right and and that's the thing i I remember when when i was a salaried employee and when if i would get a bonus i would buy something for my wife and each of my sons that gave me more pleasure than buying myself something because if I needed something, I would have bought it already. So I didn't need anything. So I didn't get pleasure by buying that thing that I didn't need. Mm. Uh, and, and really, for most things, if I wanted it, I could buy it. I'm not talking about a Ferrari, right? But but but, but if I wanted it, I could probably buy it. Mm. So um, it's that whole again. It's that it, it's that intention thing. It's that just paying attention. What does the customer need? What can you do to make to to make their day better? What can you do to exceed the expectation of whatever it is? Uh, does it take money sometimes, but not a lot? Uh, I'll, I'll give you another story. A, a friend of mine was looking for her wedding venue, and she's down in Florida. She had family coming in from out of the country. In her words, uh, they like to drink, so she wanted it to have it at a hotel so everyone would stay there. So the only thing they would be riding would be the lift. <laughs> she didn't <laughs> want to ride in any cars. So <clears throat> every hotel before she went there, and this is how we shop these days, had the same checklist. And the checklist was valet parking. Uh, they had a, a ceremony site on premises. They had a beautiful ballroom. They had good food, good service, good reputation, right? So she didn't go to any place that didn't have that same checklist. But mm-hmm. that's the what, not the why. So every place she had a similar experience. You pull up, the valet takes the car. She goes inside with her fiance. They go have a good meeting. They see the hotel. They see the ceremony site, et cetera. They talk, and then they go back. The valet brings the car around. They leave, except mm-hmm. one time. They go in. Everything is the same. But when they go to leave... The valet brought the car around, and on the passenger seat was a box of chocolates with a handwritten note from the person they had just met with thanking them for coming. Mm. Now, what did that take? Right? Mm. Not a lot of money. You know, what, what did it cost them? Maybe, you know, five pounds, 10 pounds for the chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. So what did it cost them? Not a lot, except they had to write the note ahead of time. The chocolate had to be kept not in the car because it was Florida, so it's hot. So mm-hmm. the valet had to know that that chocolate and that note has to go in that car when it comes back. So it took some coordination. Mm-hmm. But what that speaks to 
is the coordination of what could you do for me on my wedding? If you could mm-hmm. do this, yeah. what could you do? Um, another experience, I, I go into a Marriott hotel in Springfield, Massachusetts. My host had made the reservation. So I pull in, get out of the car, go inside to check in. They said, oh, Mr. Berg, we've been expecting you. Um, <clears throat> we have a, a room with two queen beds. I said, do, do you have a single bed? Do you have a king? I said, it's just me. I'm by myself. I don't need two beds. So she's typing. And then she asks the person next to her behind the desk, points to something on the screen and says, this okay? And she said, sure. And then that other person went away. And so she checks me in, gives me my keys. I go to my car. I go to the car park. I park my car. I go in the lift. I go up to my room and I go in my room and there's one bed. And in my room is a large basket that my host had had brought for me. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, this is really nice. And then it dawned on me. That wasn't my room. Mm-hmm. My room had two beds. That basket was in a different room when I was at the front desk. That other person went away from the front desk and moved that basket from the original room to the new room. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they were next to each other or on different floors or whatever, or if there was somebody around the corner panting out of breath because they just ran a <laughs> basket down or whatever, but they did it. They mm-hmm. made it happen. And when I realized that they made it happen, I was like, you know, they could have just knocked on the door five minutes later and handed me the basket and it would have been nice. Mm. But they wanted to make sure that when I got to my room, the basket was there. Mm. What does that say about that that hotel? Absolutely, yeah. I, I want to touch a bit um, a bit about on some of the books you've done because I know you've done. Is it four books you've written? Uh, four. Working on number five right now. Okay, and and what's the the new book going to be about? The new book is actually based upon the articles that I've been writing for the last seven years. I've been writing a lot of this content that's just stuff that's very applicable to my audience. And um, it's going to be called Wit, Wisdom, and the Business of Weddings. Okay. And I'm going to put together, you know, out of the hundred plus articles that I've written over the last seven years, I'm going to put together a bunch of the best content, update it and put it together. So each chapter will really stand on its own, but they're going to be in grouping. So there'll be a section on sales, a section on websites, a section on inspiration, you know, so Mm. probably three or four sections like that. Um, and I, I actually may or may not sell the book, Tony. Uh, I'm, I'm considering doing a marketing effort with it. So you tell me what you think about this, and I'll let the people listening see what they think. Okay. So I'm going to make two versions of the book. One mm-hmm. is going to be the book itself with about 30 or 40 chapters in it with all the content. Mm-hmm. Another version is going to be for marketing. And the marketing version is going to have about five chapters in it. And But it's going to be laid out with the same cover and the same table of contents to show the 30 or 40 chapters. But mm-hmm. in between those other ones will be note page lines. And I'm, going to, I'm intending to send it out to businesses uh, and say to them with a note on the top, you know, here's a little preview of my latest book. If you'd like me to fill in the blanks for you and your team and teach these, teach these things, contact me. And when you do, I'll bring a free copy of the full book for every one of your people. Well, that sounds like a great, great marketing exercise. So, and the idea being, you're going to get some of the content, not all of it, and I can teach you the rest. So mm, uh, of course, I'm yeah. not going to sell them on Amazon. I, I will tease it though and say, if you'd like to get a free copy of this book, mm. contact me about having me train your sales team or do a mastermind or something like that. Well, I mean, that sounds like a great idea. And it, it, I mean, it kind of strikes me about having both versions because, you know, for some, it's the people who you've got the possibilities of training and for others who just want to be, read the book and, and who maybe would never be in a position where they'd be bringing you in to train people. So yeah, maybe both. And, 
One of it would be if I do a workshop or something, I might say, if you come to the workshop, you get a free copy of the book that's not available on Amazon. It's not available anywhere else. Mm. So the idea of having a book that, and because the content is already out there, it's already on my blog and, and other people's blogs, I'm not sure if I want to charge for it in a book form, even though I think it's great content. Um, mm. So that that's what I might do with the next one. The book after that, <laughs> that I'm already thinking about is the follow-up of my first book. So I have four books. The first book yeah. is called, If Your Website Was an Employee, Would You Fire It? And mm-hmm. the subtitle is Five Things You Wish You Knew Before You Made Your Website and How to Fix Them Now. And that book applies to anybody with any type of website. It's how to think about a website, not how to build one. Mm-hmm. The follow-up book, that'll be book number six, will be called Five Signs It's Time to Fire Your Website. Mm-hmm. So that'll be the follow-up. And that'll be things you should do and, and not do on your website. My second book is called Your Attitude for Success. Interesting story with that. It was never intended to be a book. It was a keynote speech. And uh, most of my speeches prior to that had been just business related, sales, marketing, websites, uh, conversion, communications, things like that. And I was asked to do a keynote speech and I wrote this speech and uh, a friend of mine videotaped it. And this speech, I gave it to a hundred wedding planners but they were all uh, members of this group, Association of Bridal Consultants. And you had to be a 10-year member or a master bridal consultant, which is, there's only, I think, 36 in the world now. There were only, at the time, 25 in the world. Mm -hmm. And these 100 people were my audience. And out of those 100 people, I received three handwritten notes in the mail afterwards telling me that I have changed their life. Hmm. That was tough. That was Mm -hmm. really hard for me because- I don't think I have the power to change anyone's life. I think I could be a catalyst. I think I can can help you take action, but I can't change your life. You can change your life. I can't change your life. So it really, it hit me hard like, whoa, no, I, I help people with their businesses and stuff. I don't change people's lives. Mm. But you know, first note, then the second note, then the third note. And then it's a very personal story. There's, uh, I, I had some health challenges in my past and I talk through that and how I've gotten through that and how other people have gotten through business and personal challenges. And that's what's called your attitude for success. Mm. Uh, I say that people that succeed don't have more ideas than others. They just take better action. Mm. So I gave the speech one time and a, a guy came and he said, you know, I saw you were coming and I, I love hearing you speak. He said, I, I, my family is all upside down. My sister's dying of cancer and, 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 and we're just really out of sorts. And he said, you gave me a sense of clarity. I was like, whoa. I, I said, but did I share too much of myself? And he said something that was really, really poignant. He said, if you hadn't, I wouldn't have been listening the same way. Mm. And I realized that the vulnerability that I showed by telling my story allowed them to connect with it, allowed them to jump in and say, hey, how does this relate to me? So it that turned out to be a speech that just resonated with people in such a different level than anything else I'd ever done that I turned it into a book for what you just said before. So someone who can't afford to hire me to come and speak or train could get a copy of this book. And I actually use it when, when I hear someone's having a challenge, a health challenge or their child or they're having a challenge or they're having a personal challenge. I'll send them a copy of the book. I'll just write a note in it and send them a copy of the book saying, listen, I hope this gives you some sort of a, a clarity or some sort of a positive outlook that you can help you get through what you're going through. So mm-hmm. that's book number two. Book number three, my most popular book so far is called Shut Up and Sell More Weddings and Events. 
Mm-hmm. And really, it should just say shut up and sell more because I've sold so many different things in my life, and it's this, it's what I've learned and what I've taught in 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 doing this. So I say weddings and events on the cover, and this is because I've niched in my market of weddings and events, so that someone can go on Amazon and search for sales book on weddings and events. My book's going to come up. And I recently did a consultation with a guy in Romania who found my book on Amazon because of that, had me do a two-hour remote consultation. And then he flew over to Dublin and saw me speak at a conference uh, just uh, last week. So uh, Shut Up and Sell More is from what I learned where my manager in a previous life uh, told me to shut up and listen, and people will tell you what they want to buy. And that's what I teach people. And then my latest book is called Why Don't They Call Me? Eight Tips for Converting Wedding and Event Inquiries into Sales, which really should be converting inquiries into sales. It's not weddings and events. And it, this is, uh, I'm a digital immigrant, right? Tony, you're probably a digital immigrant or on the border there, but I'm definitely a digital immigrant. <laughs> right. And my sons are digital natives. Mm. They've never known a, a world without today's technology. They've never known a a house without a personal computer. They've never known a world without cell phones. So they're digital natives. They're used to having conversations without talking on the phone. Mm. I'm used to having conversations on the phone, but I've learned how to have the digital conversations. And in doing so, I've adapted to my customers. So when I'm in the UK, I'm using WhatsApp. Actually, outside of the US, I'm using WhatsApp. Inside the US, I'm using email and text and um, the Facebook Messenger I'm doing with people all over the world as well. Mm. So I'm using today's technology. I love technology. I have an iPhone 10. I have an Apple Watch and a MacBook Pro. You know, I like my technology, but technology is just a tool. I'm using the tool based upon what my customers want to do, and my customers want to email me and Facebook message me and WhatsApp me and text me, and so that's what I'm doing. Mm. So that book is teaching people how to have those real conversations and convert those inquiries now into conversations and sales. Mm. Well, listen, Alan, we, we've, I can't believe how time has flown, and I, I want to be respectful of your time, but I know that you could probably tell me another million stories and mm. I think we're going to have to have you back at some point because I know there's a lot more stories. But before we finish, is what what would you say about people listening that, that, that do realize that it's a good idea to try to over-deliver, to try to exceed their customers' expectations? Would you have any kind of suggestions or any thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I think if you're doing this on a mass scale or on a micro scale, it's going to be different. So on a micro scale, Think about that individual customer and how you can add value to them. So when I sent these six Glencairn uh, nosing glasses to the client in Ireland so he could start his whiskey tasting, that was very specific to him and to what we had discussed, as opposed to macro where you're trying to exceed on a, a, you know, a level to more people you know, in, in a group or something like that. The more personal you can make it, the better. Um, because that's what people notice. They notice that you took the time. They notice that you paid attention. They notice that you, you, you know, you took your notes and you're mentioning something or there's this little extra thing that you can do specifically for them as opposed to, you know, generically for them. Um, like for instance, when, if you want to get more reviews, all right, that's a big thing for everybody's business these days. Mm -hmm. You could say, I'll give you a, you know, Starbucks gift card. Okay. That's generic. Or you could get a gift made 
for them specifically. Like uh, one of my clients goes on Etsy and has a personalized gift made for each couple after the wedding and sends it to them and maybe it has their initials and their wedding date or something like that on it. And I think it's a pillow or something. And then they send it to them with a note thanking them and asking them, you know, to please post a review. Mm-hmm. Well, that's much, much better than saying, here's a Starbucks gift card, please post a review. Yeah. That's, does it cost more? I would say no, because the return is better. Yeah. They get 60% of their clients posting reviews, whereas typically one out of five will post if you ask, one out of three if you remind them, and they're getting 60%, six out of 10 doing it. So that personalization, I think, is is really when you're going to get people to, to notice. Um, and then if you're in a face-to-face type business, just think about that McDonald's story. You know, are you smiling? You know, are you, when somebody walks in, are you smiling? Thank you for coming. A uh, personal pet peeve of mine are the words, no problem. You know, <laughs> why is it that I walk into a store, help myself to the product, walk up, and if I don't check myself out, which you can do these days, <laughs> yeah. you walk up to the cashier and you give them the, the product and then you give them the money and then they give you the change and you say thank you to them. Mm. And then they say, no problem. Really? That was no problem for you. So I went and did all the work <laughs> and it was no problem for you to for me to come here and you to stand here and wait for me to give you the product and the money. Again, personal pet peeve of mine. It would be nice if they would say, thanks so much for coming. Please come back. Yeah. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Just say it with a smile. Just look at me. Look. <laughs> right? Eyes are here. Look at me. Right? <laughs> I, it's funny. I, I read that same um same sentiment in a book. I can't, I'm trying to remember what book it was, but yeah, someone else. I think it was John DeJulius, What Customers Crave. I think it was that book. He said almost the same thing. Attention. Attention. Yeah. Attention is just not there. Hmm. Um, you're right. I, I want to be respectful of the time as well. We could be talking for the, you know, all day here. So <laughs> and so just, let's do this again. Well, and just before we go, because one thing that I do want to, to, to tell the listeners is, I mean, you, you mentioned about your book, if your website was an employer and you give people lots of information about websites. And I know you also do the website reviews because you did one for me about oh, four years ago or something. And it yeah. was it was excellent. And so one thing I would suggest to anyone who's listening, if you've got a website, and I would imagine you... Obviously, you normally do this just for wedding professionals, but you'd probably do it for any business, I would I would guess. Yeah, many of the people I deal with have other businesses as well, and sometimes they'll have more than one website. So yeah, I mean, if you go to my website, which is allenberg.com, A-L-A-N-B-E-R-G.com, there's information there about my services, speaking, training, website reviews, and uh, whatever country you're in. If you go to Amazon, my books are there, usually in paperback, Kindle, and audio. And it is in my voice, in the audio, definitely uh, done. I, I always prefer authors who read their own books hmm. most of the time. Every once in a while, I'm like, mm, you should have had somebody else read that. But <laughs> in <laughs> but, my case, I'm a speaker, so people expect to hear my voice. But you can definitely get it there. And uh, any questions you have, uh, right on my website, there's my email, my contact form, my phone number is right there. I answer my own phone. I answer my own emails. And uh, I love helping people, you know, just if, follow their passion into a successful business well i mean and that's great all that information so and i would urge people if you do have if you want your website to be performing better go and have a look at alan's website for a start you know take him up on a website review possibly also have a look at the way he uses his testimonials his reviews on his website because that's really good as well nobody you can't say anything that's as good as what people are saying after they've done business with you that is the reason why they should engage with you yeah. because 
of what other people said their experience has been. Mm. Well, Alan, it, it's been it's been a pleasure speaking to you for the last forty minutes. Um, and as you say, we're definitely going to have to have you back at some stage in the future. So, I know you're going to be flying around probably another million miles in the next couple of weeks. So, enjoy your flights, and I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Sounds great, Tony. Thanks. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed today's show with Alan Berg and in next week's episode, episode 16 is with Jerry Brown who builds himself as the customer lifeguard and he's the chief customer rescue officer. He has a book called When a Customer Wins, Nobody Loses. That's in next week's episode. Please do join the Facebook group for Exceeding Expectations. Start some conversations in there. Do some reviews. Talk about things that you've heard. Uh, It'd be fantastic if you can leave a review um, on, on Apple or Stitcher or any other sites. And um, yeah, please do get in touch if you have suggestions for someone that you would like to hear on the show. I hope you have a great start to 2019 and, and a fantastic year. And I look forward to speaking to you next week.